Hi, my name is Mark Riggins, and I'm the senior pastor here at LifePoint Church. Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like a little more information about our church, check out lpchurch.us. I hope today's message is an encouragement to you. Well, good morning, LifePoint. Hey, you know, Sean has been talking about snacks quite a bit there, and it got me to thinking about snacks, and I thought, well, what are the best snacks? And I actually read this week that... um, there are the best snacks or the most popular snacks for the Super Bowl. I don't know if you're planning on having snacks. I don't care if you like the game or not. You should have snacks. It's just like the thing that you should do. So I actually saw a list of the six most popular Super Bowl snacks. Here they are. Pizza. By the way, I don't consider that a snack, but I'll take it. Cheeseburger sliders. Buffalo wings. Pigs in a blanket. Guacamole. And nachos. Here's, yeah, you don't have to cheer for the food. I mean, we are excited. Here's what I want to know from you, though. What's your favorite Super Bowl snack? So here's what I want you to do. Ask the person beside you. Just take a second and ask them, what's your favorite Super Bowl snack? Let's just take a minute to learn a little bit about each other right now. By the way, if you're watching online, would you just right now take a minute in the comments and share with us what is your favorite Super Bowl snack? All right. That's long enough. You've, you, hey, one thing, one thing, not like a meal in the recipe here, folks, all right? All right, right here, this section, what is your favorite? Just somebody shout it out. Who told you your favorite Super Bowl snack? What was it? Okay, I, I gave, oh, right here, this section. What is it? Queso. queso. There you go. Wings. I heard that. Yeah. Some queso with a little kick, though, right? Yeah. All right, right here. Favorite Super Bowl snack. What is it? Wings and nachos. And what was it? Guacamole. I love that. Nice. I love the confidence. Right here. Favorite Super Bowl snack? Who said wings? I love that. Man, it's a nice, deep, confident voice. We're having wings. I love that. All right, right here. Favorite Super Bowl snack? Okay. PG. Bone and wings. If they're boneless, they aren't wings. I feel like it's the Whataburger commercial. Have y'all seen that? Water wings. All right, so uh, you got your snacks. I'm glad that you're here. I'm glad that you've got plans for the day. Even if you're not going to watch the game, that's fine. We're glad you Some of you are wearing your cowboy jerseys. I love that. It's like a silent protest against Jerry Jones. We're excited that you're here either way. Hey, listen, as Sean said, we're continuing a series. We're in part two of our series who we are. And if today is your first day, I know some of you have gotten to meet, it's your first day here, we're so glad that you're here. Let me catch you up. We as a church are opening a new permanent location Easter of next year, April of 2025, and we're excited about that, but what we're most excited about is we recognize any location is nothing more than a tool that God can use to accomplish his mission. And our mission as a church is the Great Commission. We want to share Jesus and build believers. But we thought as we begin this new season as a church, it would be good for us to refocus and to realign behind our priorities. Because priorities determine our pathway. In other words, if I claim I'm going to run a marathon next year, but I do nothing but eat German chocolate cake and play video games all year, I'm probably not going to accomplish what I claim my mission is because my priorities aren't aligned. 
Our priorities determine our pathway. And so last week, if you missed it, we talked about one of our priorities as a church is that we want to be a church for anyone. We believe that Jesus loves everyone, so his church is for anyone, no exceptions, that all people are sacred. And I just want to tell you, if you missed last Sunday's message, I would encourage you to go back to the podcast and listen to it, and here's why. It will explain a lot of the reasons behind decisions that we make as a church. As we go through this series, that's why we're taking the time. And today, we're going to talk about another priority. You see, as a pastor, I'll give you a confession. I wish sometimes there were a magic button that I could push and everybody would automatically do this one thing. And one of those things is, I wish I could push a magic button and everyone would experience what it's like to have someone they know come and be baptized and to have tears flowing down your face as you see them cross the line of faith and you had a part in their salvation. That is an incredible experience I wish everyone could have. I also wish everyone, if I had a magic button, would experience freedom from possessions, that we would have possessions that wouldn't possess us, that I wish everyone would give first, save second, live on the rest and get out of debt and know what it's like to be financially free. And the last thing I would say, if I could have a magic button, I wish I could push that button and everyone would experience authentic, structured community with other Christians in their life. In fact, I'll go further. I not only would want that for you, I would want that for your kids and your grandkids because circles are better than rows. Would you just say that out loud with me? Circles are better than rows. You see, this is where spiritual growth happens. I call it the ABCs of the essential life to follow Jesus. This is where you experience accountability, belonging, true belonging, and care. It's difficult to experience that in rows. We were made to be face-to-face in circles and experiencing this with one another. It's one of our priorities. And here's why this is so important. Because there is something that everyone will experience, but few people are prepared for it. This is what Jesus says. There is something that everyone will experience, but few people are prepared for it. We're gonna look at this promise that Jesus made that is across the board, whether you follow Jesus or not, it is a promise that he says is guaranteed for every person. The problem is very few people are prepared for the promise he made. I want you to see it, it's in Luke chapter 17, beginning in verse one, Jesus made this incredible promise. He's actually talking to the people who are closest to him, his disciples, and listen to what he said. Things that cause people to stumble are bound to come. Would you just say that out loud with me? Say that out loud with me. Things that cause people to stumble are bound to come. Well, isn't that a cheerful thought that it will encourage you today? I don't see that on anybody's Pinterest. I don't see that anybody printing that on a t-shirt. That isn't the great news we're looking for today. But this is a promise that Jesus makes. Things that cause people to stumble are bound to come. In fact, we go on with that verse, Jesus saying to his disciple, things that cause people to stumble are bound to come, but woe to anyone through whom 
they come. Jesus says, listen to this, a heads up, you are going to stumble eventually. No exceptions. It's a guaranteed reality for you, for the person sitting beside you, for the person you love, for me, for all of us. It is going to happen. In fact, I want you to do this. Would you look at your neighbor? It's such a promise from God. Would you look at your neighbor and say, I am going to stumble? Look at your neighbor and say that. That's not a good time to agree with your neighbor. It's simply to hear your neighbor. I am going to stumble. In the original language, the Greek, this actually is a, um, a writing style where they would put the most important word first in the sentence. And so a literal translation is on the screen of this verse. Impossible it is for stumbling blocks not to come. It sounds like Yoda speak, doesn't it? Impossible it is for stumbling blocks not to come. This is a guarantee it's gonna happen. Not if, but when. So you may be thinking, well, what is it? Because I don't think, I think I've kind of, you know, stumble-proofed my life. You know, if there is such a thing, Jesus says there is no thing as stumble-proof. It's gonna happen. You see, you, you know what it looks like when relationships come into your life and all of a sudden they kind of blindside you or circumstances come and they kind of sideline you and all of a sudden your relationship with God changes. You might even fall out of church or you begin to question your own faith. And this principle doesn't just apply to Christians. If you're here and you're wrestling with faith and you're not even sure if that's a relationship you want to have, this still applies to you. Jesus says this is a principle that is across the board. And because the things that cause us to stumble, listen to what it is. Things that cause us to stumbling, the stumbling blocks are things, people, circumstances that lead people to act contrary to their beliefs. In other words, even if you don't follow Jesus and you're here today, this applies to you that you can stumble out of being the kind of person you want to be because something causes you to violate your own values, your own beliefs, and your own principles. It is across the board. Listen, church, no matter how smart you are, and you are so smart, no matter how spiritual you are, no matter how much of the Bible you know, you can know it from cover to cover, no matter how often you go to church or don't, no one is excluded from this promise of Jesus that there are things coming in your life that will cause you to stumble. Now, I've seen it in, in, in my experience, and you have too. You've seen people, I was talking to somebody just this morning who talked about when she was a freshman in college, all of a sudden she was in a new place, and she just found herself with new friends in a new reality, and she just stumbled out of church and eventually out of faith for a couple of decades. It's a very common story. Sometimes we move to a new city, we have a new set of friends, a new set of values who don't share our faith. Sometimes we fall in love with someone and we think, oh, I'll never be that person who walks away, but then somebody comes along and before long we've stumbled out of church, we've stumbled out of our faith. Sometimes we are so blessed that we have a lot of wealth or we have a lot of opportunities and we have chances for vacation and suddenly riches deceive us because we think we're smarter than we really are because we have wealth. And all of a sudden we think, well, I don't need God as much as I used to and we feel less in we feel less dependent and more independent and we are tricked into 
stumbling and falling out of our dependence on God. In the flip side, it's hard times, right? Difficult times that come. Maybe you got a doctor's report or a financial crisis or a relationship break, and all of a sudden you begin to pray, God, where are you? Why aren't you answering my prayers? Why do I feel so alone? Why do I feel like the exception? And all of a sudden we can stumble out of our faith. I've seen this over and over, and so have you, and many of us have lived that. Jesus doesn't tell us what the stumbling blocks will be. He just says, they're coming, guaranteed. So with that said, here's my question. How are you preparing for the inevitable stumbles that will come in your life? The inevitable stumbles that will come in your life. According to Jesus, you may think, well, I don't know, is it really possible? See, you don't have to ask that question. We've already looked at that, right? Jesus already said, yes, the answer is yes. It is possible. And it'll be a little more personal. That means for your kids and your grandkids, things are going to come in their life that will cause them to stumble as well. This is personal for all of us, isn't it? Because it's not only us, but the people that we love, the people in our life. And if you're a parent, you might even be thinking, oh, I totally believe that. In fact, it scares me to death. I worry about culture. I worry about society. I worry about the schools. There are things put in front of my kids all the time that constantly cause me to worry. I worry something will cause them to stumble. Listen, we don't have to wonder. Jesus said, yes, it is coming. The stumbling block is coming. That's why we say circles are better than rows. And here's what I want to get at today. I love that you're here on a Sunday morning. I love that we're sitting in rows beside each other so we can open the Bible. We can worship together. It's an important part of our faith. But it doesn't take care of this promise that Jesus made. Because in the end, it's easy to stumble out of church. But it's almost impossible to stumble out of community. It's almost impossible to stumble out of a small group where there are relationships. You see, this is why it's so important to be in these relationships. You go, oh yeah, it's kind of like a family. I would say yes, but better. And here's why. Because when you stumble, think about it, the last person you're gonna listen to is a family member. You already know that, you've experienced that. Some of you as wives, you know this. If your husband gets way focused on work or friends or golf and all of a sudden things of faith become put on the back burner and you wanted to say something or you did say something but he didn't listen to you, he didn't listen to you because when we stumble, the last person we listen to is our family. Think about it. As parents, we know this is true. Grandparents, you know that this is true and it's why we want everyone in regular, structured community because it helps us prepare for the inevitable stumble that's coming and knowing that that's true the wisest man who ever lived on earth according to scripture outside of Jesus is a man named Solomon and 3,000 years ago he addressed this very issue with wisdom that is still relevant for you and I today and it's found in Ecclesiastes chapter 4 and in verse 9, he addresses this very issue on how we can support one another knowing that stumbling blocks are coming. Look what it says in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9. Two are better than one. Why? Because they have a good return for their labor. In other words, one person produces one person's work. Two people can produce three people's work. There's a synergy that happens when we work together. There's a better return on our investment. 
But that's not all. Look what else he says as we begin to move toward verse 10. He says, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. And, here's another benefit, if either of them falls down, same term as stumble that Jesus used earlier, that everyone will stumble. When you fall down, one can help the other one up. That's a good thing, to have someone else help you up. It's funny because Solomon doesn't tell us what will cause us to fall. He just tells us what we need to do when we fall. We need to have been walking with someone who can help us up. And then he gives the saddest part of this reality. And many of us have seen what he's about to say over and over and over again. And it always, always breaks our heart. Look what he says in the rest of verse 10. He says, and if either of them falls down, one can help the other up. That's the good news. But here's the sad part. Pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Can I tell you as a pastor, that is the saddest thing in ministry that I watch is when people who normally attend church regularly or occasionally and they know the verses, they know the songs, they sit in the seats, they come, they open their Bibles, they listen, they genuinely are trying to do their best to follow Jesus but they have no relationship outside of Sunday mornings. And then when something hard comes, they have no one to walk with them through the difficulties of life. It is one of the saddest things in ministry. In fact, I will tell you that when someone calls the church and they say, hey, my teenager's made some bad decisions or my husband's lost his mind or my wife's done whatever, and they're looking for help, one of the first things I'll always ask is, are you in a group? Now that might sound like an odd question to ask someone who's in crisis calling the church. But the reason I ask that is because I know what Solomon says is true. If you have relationships that pre-exist the crisis, that you already have built and established trust, it is going to be a very different experience for you walking forward. If you don't, it's going to be a very different experience. It's difficult to establish those relationships then. And we have care ministry that I'm so grateful for, but it's like having ambulances at the bottom of the hill. We're trying to build fences at the top of the hill and be proactive and to have these kinds of relationships so that when these difficult come, times come, Jesus says they will, you already have the relationships in your life. And 99% of the time when I ask, are you in a group? They say no. But I've heard story after story after story of people who are in a small group go through a difficult time and all of a sudden the group comes around them and walks with them, helps them up, and then moves forward with them and it is a very different experience and that's what I want for everybody. If I could just push a magic button, it would be to have everybody in that kind of a community because that's how we were designed, to navigate this difficult life with each other, helping each other up. Well, it's why here as a church, <clears throat> we are trying our best to build bigger and better systems to move everybody from kid all the way through adult into community. Here's why. Because when people fall, when you fall, we want someone there to pick you up. We don't want you to fall 
alone. And one of the tragedies I hear is, I don't need that. I don't need community. We're busy. We got, our kids got a lot of stuff going on. Look, we don't need more friends. I get it. I get it. But when you stumble, we don't want you alone. And when others in this room stumble, we don't want them alone. We want you to be there for them. And here's what complicates it. Because if you're like me, I love efficiency. It would be easy to think, well, I will take care of that when I need it. But here's what complicates all of this. When you stumble, what you need most is what you'll desire least. You know why? Because we don't like to be vulnerable. We don't like the humility required in this moment. And when I stumble, the thing that I will need the most is the thing that I will desire the least. I will either try to fix it or I will hide. And if I don't have the existing relationships and trust built into it, then I'm in trouble. And as Solomon says, pity that person who falls alone. See, Ginger and I, my wife, we've been in small groups for many years, and the current small group that we're in, we've been meeting for a little over a year, and I can tell you that we are just now beginning to develop the kind of trust that we feel like people can lean in, and we can ask difficult questions, and we can support each other. It doesn't happen in three or four or six months. It takes a while, doesn't it? Many of you have been on a journey with groups, and you've developed that kind of relationship. And here's what I can tell you that I already know about these people in this group. If I stumble... I will want to hide because that's what most people who stumble want to do. And if I stumble and I try to hide, these people will call me and I will not answer. And they'll call me again and again and they'll be obnoxious and they'll show up to my house and they'll keep at it until I either give in or if I really want, the only way I could avoid these people, I am convinced, is if I change my phone number and if I change my address and move somewhere else. And I think they'd still find me because they're that obnoxious. They really won't go away. And I love that. I want that for me and my family. I won't go away for them if they stumble and fall. And I want that for them. But I don't want it just for us. I want it for everybody that you know when the chips are down and life gets hard and life falls apart and you stumble as Jesus promised, you have people who will not go away, who will come to you and will walk with you no matter what. That's what we want. And that's what Solomon says we all need in this difficult life. Why? Because it's easy to stumble out of church, but it's almost impossible to stumble out of community. Now parents, I'm just going to tell you, you're crazy if you don't take advantage of this opportunity and have your kids in a small group, have your student in a small group where there's a caring adult who will love them, who will walk with them, and will be with them no matter what. There is story after story of incredible grace and kindness and support that parents receive when they have an adult like that in their life. Circles really are better than rows. And I'll be honest with you, it's why we're kind of group crazy around here because we believe it moves the needle in our faith and it creates guardrails that we all need in our life and it will continue to be a priority so last week we talked about a priority is we want to be a church for anyone and today the second priority is we want to be a church for one another did you know in the new testament alone there are 59 one another's there's like Forgive one another, love one another, serve one another, encourage one another, submit to one another, admonish one another. Like, 
the primary activity of the early church was how they one anothered one another. And it's how the church was unstoppable. But you know what you can't do in pews and rows? You can't one another one another. It's in circles when we can finally do the primary activity of the early church. It's how our faith grows. It's how we were intended to see God do something in our life and to protect us from the enemy's inevitable stumbling blocks. In fact, I want you to hear this story. This is a story from Michaela or Mike Saylor. And, and she's a single mom who was going through something unexpected in her life that was difficult. And I love what she says in this video that she was not alone because of her group. And there's a little bit of audio technical difficulties in it, but we just thought the story is too good not to share. So watch this. Two and a half weeks ago, my son and I were headed out to Arizona to go visit my parents to also judge a trampoline and tumbling competition. And on our way to Albuquerque, about 15 miles south of Childress, my car caught on fire. And within minutes, the car was gone. So while I was dealing with the police officers and the firefighters that were out there, and on the phone with my insurance company, um, someone had posted that they needed a prayer, and then there was a praise we have a group meet for our small groups. And um, I just posted, well, this is my life right now. And before I had finished up concluding plans with my insurance company, before I finished up plans with what were we going to do with the vehicle and getting it towed, I already had two people offer to come get me. And I already had an offer on a vehicle to borrow for as long as I needed to borrow. In that immediate moment of trying to stay in control, trying not to panic, trying not to feel overwhelmed, I immediately had 15 plus women praying for me. So I was not alone. And I had a group of women that were already doing things behind the scenes to be there for me without me even realizing it and knowing that I had two people willing to drive four and a half hours to go get me and my son on a weeknight and then drive us back. There are no words. I've been a part of a few different small groups since I've been a member here and sometimes you don't know that you need a small group until you need a small group and sometimes you don't need that know that you need certain people in your life at a certain time because whether you're the one that's going to be there for them or they're the ones that are going to be there for you if you feel like there's something missing in your walk find a small group to join with you because that's usually the missing puzzle piece. Hey, isn't that a great story? I love that her small group was that kind, that generous, and that willing to jump in in her most difficult moment. In fact, this is her small group that she'd been in for a good long while. They continue to be a group together. And this is what I'm saying. In the end, we want everyone to have a group of people who will not go away when life gets difficult. And you've built a relationship 
with each other. I also love that Mike, by the way, serves as a small group leader on Sunday nights for our high school girls. And she not only receives, but she gives in such a generous way. And I just, I'll be honest with you, as I look around the room right now, there are a lot of you who are small group leaders, and you are investing by giving and sacrificing time and energy to pour into other people, to create a place where other people find that support and experience that kind of spiritual growth. And can I just say to you, thank you. Thank you for what you do to create a place like that for so many people. And we want to continue to see that ministry grow. We want to see community expand. But it begins with people like you who are willing to go first and to create a place for others. In fact, some of you who do that on Sunday nights because our Inside Out High School Middle School ministry meets on Sunday nights at 4 o'clock. And in that small group, there are a lot of adults who go and invest time and energy every Sunday afternoon so that these students know there is someone who is there for them. And in addition to that, right now, over in our kids' area, there are adults who are meeting with kids, who are letting them know, we are going to pour truths into your life, and we are going to do that every Sunday, and we are here for you. Some of you who serve in kids, you know that by the time these kids get to fifth grade, they feel like they are your kids. You love them deeply, and you want to see them grow in their faith and we just want to say thank you for that and then some of you are adult group leaders in fact right now you'll just see some pictures scroll of just some different groups that a handful that we have pictures of that have met recently and the reality is right now at LifePoint we have 32 adult small groups made up of 341 people and here's our goal our goal is to eventually have more people attending weekly a small group than we do attending a Sunday morning service you know why because circles are better than rows we really want to see that and these I believe are the behind the scenes heroes These are the people who are making a difference when it comes to the growth of people's spiritual life. Whether you lead a group in Inside Out, whether you lead in our kids' ministry, or if you lead an adult ministry, I just want to say to you, thank you for what you do. And I know this is the last thing that you want to do, but I'm going to ask you to do me a personal favor. If you lead in any capacity within groups, coach, lead, group, right now, would you just stand so we can all say thank you for what you do and the investment that you make. Right now, would you just stand? Yes, thank you. Go ahead and stand. Thank you, thank you, thank you for how you lead and what you do. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. That is a behind-the-scenes major impact, and we want to say thank you for what you do. And as we anticipate a new season as a church, can I just be honest with you? We are looking for new leaders for this fall, and for next spring. You know why? Because this fall and next spring, people will decide to give groups a chance and they'll go, hey, I need that community. I need to take a step toward that. And in order for us to be prepared to meet that need, we will need people who would be willing to step out and say, I will create such a space for people who are looking for community. And I'm gonna tell you, if you really wanna make your faith grow, These group leaders will tell you nothing challenges your faith and grows your faith like going first and leading a group, being the one to make it happen. And you may be here and go, if there's one thing I can't do, it is lead a group. I wouldn't even know where to begin. I don't feel qualified. There's no way I could do that. Let me just let you know, we got you covered. No problem. If you don't feel qualified, you're probably qualified. If you feel overqualified, well, then you might want to take a seat. But the rest of us, if you feel like, hey, I... 
I think, I think it intimidates me. Well, that's the one we want to talk to. We got you covered, though. We'll help you. Listen, we will lead you through a systematic way of doing community. We will give you training. We will also assign you a coach. You will meet two to three times in homes a month, and adults choose their own curriculum. And here's the great part. Christine Hayek is always only a phone call away for anything you need. And I am not asking you to commit today. What I am asking you to do is would you be willing to pray about taking this step this fall or next spring? And if you are willing to pray about it, would you email us and let us know at this email, groups at lpchurch.us, and Christine will get that email, she'll follow up, let you know that she'll be praying with you and answer any questions that you have, let you know what the process would look like. Again, no commitment, it's an opportunity for us to discover that you're willing to pray about it. Help us expand community here because it's so essential to what God has called us to do. Secondly, I just want to let you know, you might be here and you might think, well, I'm already in a group in another church. Can I just tell you, awesome. As long as you're walking with someone, that's all we want. Some of you might say, well, I'm not in a group. And I just say, that's who we're talking to. If you're not in anything, we don't want you to miss another season. So I want you to put this date on your calendar, August the 25th. Save the date. It's when we're going to launch groups church-wide. And we want you to make that a priority, to rearrange your schedule if you need to, but plan to make it happen no matter what. You and I need to be in community. And you might say, well, no, I had a bad experience once. Join the club. Who hasn't, right? I had a bad haircut. I kept getting haircuts, right? This is so much more important. I want to encourage you to keep at it. Keep going. I know some of you are going, well, you got a bad one right now. Well, thank you. I just want to keep, keep, keep at this. Here's why. Because circles are better than rows. It's worth it. Jesus tells us stumbling blocks are coming. And Solomon says, pity the person who, when that comes, has no one to help them up. And finally... If you've got questions just about groups or you're ready to even join one today, we actually have some open groups. There's a table out in the lobby today. Just go out there and we'll have someone who would be available to help answer questions or help get you signed up if you're ready to take that step today as well. Our first two priorities, we are a church for anyone and we are a church for one another. And as we talk about the reality of being for one another, you might even be here and you would say, you know, I've not even begun my relationship with Jesus, and, and, I, and I love the idea of having that kind of community of Jesus followers, but, but I haven't even started that relationship with him. I recognize that he is God the Son, come to earth and laid his life down for me, that I'm made not only in his image, but he gave his life on the cross and demonstrated love in the most beautiful and powerful way, and the one who loves you most gave everything for you. And if you say, hey, I haven't begun that relationship, but you feel drawn to begin that relationship today, I want to invite you to lean into that. And right after the service, we're going to have somebody back here in the back who would be available to pray with you. I'm going to be out in the lobby. If you want to come up to me, I would love to walk you through how today you can make the decision to begin to follow Jesus and to begin what I believe is the greatest journey in this life, walking with our Savior. Now, having said that, I'm grateful that you're here today. And as we move forward into a new season here at LifePoint, just know, we don't want you to just attend. We want you to find community because stumbling blocks will come and the reality is we don't want you to be alone. We know everyone will fall 
And when you do, we want someone there for you. We want to be a church for one another, for his glory and our good. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you so much for your uh, promise where you're just so clear to us. We don't have to wonder. You've made it so clear. And then you give us the solution. And God, for some of us, that just feels so intimidating. But help us to trust you and move toward each other where we can practice the one another's that the church has been practicing for 2,000 years and grow in our faith in you, grow in our relationship with you. Help us not only to be a church for anyone, but to deeply, broadly be a church for one another. God, we know that will look different. In a divided world, that will look so different from anything else in our culture. God, may you be glorified as we move toward that priority. In Jesus' name, amen.